0: First Peter one verse ten, concerning this salvation, what salvation is that? or well, we just talked about it earlier on in 1 Peter ch- chapter one, verse one is that you know the salvation that brought living hope, everybody's a living hope you know we don 't have a salvation to have dead hope. We have a salvation that brings living hope and is imperishable. Remember, talk about that, right? Undefiled. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring the person or time. What time is it? you know the bible actually the greek translation reads inquiring what time or circumstance the spirit of christ in them was indicating when he the holy spirit predicted the sufferings of christ and the subsequent glories now verse 12 is very important it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves everybody says serving not themselves Okay, I want you to remember this. I'm going to get back to here, right? But you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 40, you don't have to turn to it. I'm going to read it to you. It says about the same thing, okay? Since God had provided something better for us apart from us they if you know the scriptures in hebrew verse 11 uh, chapter 11 is talking about all the people who suffer for jesus been martyred died run in caves saw uh, 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 saw in half you know died for jesus you know going through all kinds of incredible sufferings the bible say that um uh, god had provided something better for us So that apart from us. Those who suffer. That the whole Hebrew talk about. Should not be made perfect. This is my point. Our struggles. Are never. For us. Only. All the time. They are not. Necessarily for us. You know. A lot of people said, you know, they have this prayer. God, bless my family, us four, and no more. Just bless me, my boy, my girl, my wife. That's all I ask. I don't care if you're going to burn the world down. My friends, I want you to listen to this. Our faith is never about just ourselves. You know I stand here today my mom is not here usually she come but she's kind of old right and and um, so she's taking a break but she'll be back in church next week but you know why I'm I'm standing here today because my mom was willing to pay a lot of steep prices of pain and suffering and sacrifices you know all the activities all the encouragement all Everything in the Bible teaches us about not living for ourselves. And that's why the word of God always encourages us to live outside ourselves, including our suffering. You know, but not just suffering. So let's finances, for example. You know, I'm not collecting any offerings, don't worry. So, you know, giving... The people, the reason why we preach about giving is because God wants to bless you, bless you more, not for you. Because if you become a channel of a give, as a giver, for God to bless different people and bless His church, bless His ministry, bless different people with different needs, if you become the channel and a reliable channel, then you will be one of those candidates that God is going to push through all the resources. Just think of it as a pipe, right, from heaven. He'll push through all the resources. That's why, for those of us who give often, we find ourselves having a lot more than what we need. A lot more. You sit there and go, well, What do I do with all this cash? Well, it's not for you, it's to be a blessing for others. So, friends, I want to encourage you never live on your own. Whatever you're struggling with, your sufferings, will become your platform for other people's victories. So don't run away from suffering. Don't chase it, but when it comes, you embrace it with both hands and say, God, give me the strength. And today, my hope is that, you know, you and I will learn how to be strong. And you know, uh, um, let's go to verse 13, and let's get going, okay? therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ the word i'm going to concentrate on is preparing your minds for action everybody say preparing my minds for actions okay so you got to be prepared okay and being sober-minded everybody says sober-minded which means you're not, you're not, you, you're always very careful, very vigilant. You don't just float. You just be sober-minded not only get drunk, you know. Not, he's not just talking about drunkenness. He's talking about, you'll be alert all the time, right? Verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Everybody said be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for i am holy i'm going to dwell here a little bit about holiness and i'm going to jump back to the verses about uh, being mind, being 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 sober-minded and be ready right preparing your minds best way to understand holiness from god actually is is actually to 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 understand the word and the meaning in in hebrews because this is where the old testament is being written right Best way to understand holiness from God's perspective, not man, because uh, the best man can do is being pious and proud, right? So, the, so we're going to understand where this holiness is from, okay? And I'm going to tie it back to suffering later on. Don't worry. So the word holy in, in Hebrew is kadash. Everybody say kadash now what what does that mean exactly well some of you are deeper you know you'll know the word mechadash mechadash or mechadash is basically sanctify and if you know the word sanctify it actually means set apart in this context what are we being set apart from now if you pay attention to what we read just now here he's talking about passions plural that we had before we known about the grace of God, the goodness of God, the blood of Jesus, salvation, and in other words, before we became Christians. It's not just talking about sin or sinful ways, but passions for many even worldly things that are even considered good in some circles among Christians. So what are these passions? Well, Hebrews say passion that we had in our former ignorance. In other words, when you didn't really know much. Right? So ignorance of what? In this context, we back up to verse 10. Ignorance of the grace of our salvation that was already prophesied long ago. Everybody say grace of our salvation. That grace was prophesied. Many people are ignorant. In case, many religious people are quite ignorant. They work so hard trying to make God like them. Man, they didn't, somebody had forgotten to tell them, god loves you already it doesn't matter if you're religious or not here he loves you all you need to do is respond to that love and when you respond to that love you're going to see amazing things magnifying and uh, being magnified in your life being 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 revealed in your life you know now verse 13 uh this is another ignorance, ignorance the grace that we realize fully when jesus returned that's the second coming right so many people are not aware of that and so they they live carelessly, right? So that's two grace, right? Grace of salvation and then grace of his second coming. It means that whether you are a robber, if you're a robber, don't need to raise your hand. How many of you are a robber? Don't worry about it. You are a, an adulterer, a fornicator, a murderer, a cheater, a deceiver, or you are superstitious. Hello? Do you know a lot of us Christians are superstitious? We're like worried that, oh, if I do this, God's not going to be... You know, God's going to be mad at me. Very ignorant. Right? We import a lot of the stuff that we knew when we were in another religion, we imported them into our faith. That's ignorance, right? Superstition. Or covetous. Many people are okay with covetousness. As long as you don't sleep with anybody, you can covet all you want. Isn't that true in our Christian faith? You know, it's like somebody says in the Christian church, it is okay for you to murder somebody, but if you sleep with somebody, then you're going to condemn. We, we treat one sin over another greater, which is kind of silly. But anyways, covetous, right? Sometimes we call covetousness as ambitious, being ambitious. Covetousness being ambition. And so therefore it's okay. But friends, I want to tell you this. Is it now that you know God loves you so much? now that you know that he 's coming back? your perspective ought to change. Are you here this morning? So your perspective of life of suffering, of future ought to change so I also notice also myself that I often would just choose oh i 'm going to offend people now, please forgive me before I, I say anything, okay We choose convenience. Over obedience. And I am very guilty of that. I always say I want to go for the path of least resistance. And so we choose as a lifestyle. Convenience over the voice of God. Oh Lord it's not convenient for me to to go and visit somebody today. Because we have an Olympic game to watch. Convenience over obedience. I can also think of other behaviors such as living in isolation. I want to talk about this a little bit. The world we're living in today in this COVID era, we're not out of it yet. And even post-COVID, people are good to be isolated. They are good to be on their own. They don't even want to go to church. I mean, never up church. They don't want to go to work anymore. They prefer to work at home. Hello. That is not what God has called you and I to become. We are to become creatures that love to hang out with people. I know the social pandemic thing had given us the excuse to stay isolated. You know why? Because it's easier. Right? And so as a result, this pandemic has given us the excuse. And, 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 and I'm talking about population at large. We are good to be isolated. At best, with the, in the, within the bubble of our family. We're good with that. We don't have to try so hard. But friends, I want to tell you this. You are approved of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are approved of God. You know, He loves you. And he thinks the world of you. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and do good works. Stir up one another to do good love and good works. Not neglecting the meet, to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, to, uh, as you see, the day of Jesus revealing himself again, the second coming, drawing closer. So today, it's a lot closer than yesterday when Jesus is coming back. Wouldn't you agree? Yes? So, we preachers here, like, we don't hear all our preachers say, oh, you don't get together, you know. Don't, don't neglect to, 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 to gather together. To do what? To stir each other up to love. To stir each other up to do good works. You and I go to turn to our neighbor and says, you got to do some good works. Actually, why don't you do that right now? See if it has an impact. Some of you introverts, like, oh, again, that's why I don't like to come to this church. They make us talk to strangers all the time. Well, I'm trying to train you so that you don't, you know, to the path of least resistance, like, you sit there and you look at me like a pope. I do my thing, you do your thing, and then we go home. That's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is that we stir each other up. It's like, I'm virtual, man. You ought to be generous to take me and my family out for free lunch today. <laughs> that stir each other up, right? No, not me. Maybe, maybe somebody can tell him to take me out for lunch and then I'll tell somebody to take you out for lunch, right, this sort of thing. But seriously, we ought to stir each other up to love. How you know, People come into our midst should never feel like, oh my Lord, I don't know, I don't know. It a lot of, it's, it's, it's a huge trepidation for people to walk into our midst. I see many guests here today, right? I'm not going to call call you up because, you know, most of us are introverts, you wouldn't appreciate it. But I see many guests, you're here, but you came because of friends, but you came with trepidation. It's like, what are they going to do? They're going to force me to join a cult? What kind of church is that in the middle of the park? Like, what are they doing? And so, some of you are sitting right outside, just in case you can run, right? Like, ah, let's dash for the for the road, you know. Okay, verse twenty-two. Having purified your soul, your soul is not your behavior. Your soul is the content inside you. All right, the content within you, the character, your emotion, your desire. Your, your mindset, your perspective, purify that, okay? By your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brother to love, love one another earnestly from, from a pure heart. And since you've been born again, out of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass and the grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever, and His word is the good news that was that, that's being preached to you. And you sit and then go, Pastor the Paul. If you even ask question, because some of your mind just go, Ooh, looking at the bird, looking at the trees. I, I know that no condemnation. I'm good with that, you know. But if you were paying attention, you probably ask this question: What is holiness? Getting together with other people got to do with suffering. What does it got to do with suffering? What do they got to do with suffering? Remember my goal is to help equip you to be able to withstand struggles and sufferings so that in the midst of it, you do not make the wrong decision. It's specifically about your faith. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, my sister and I, you probably guys remember that in, in, in Malaysia, We've seen people got beat to a pope just because they want to be a believer. I don't know if they remember, one time it was raining, you know, we live in the Parsonage, you know, meaning our house is right beside the church, those days. So, you know, we live in Parsonage, so one day it was raining, and we got to hear a big bang on the door, boom, 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 boom. You know, my mom would go up there, turn on the lights, you know, what's going on, you know? And of course, kids, they're always curious, right? And the mom would say, get inside, get back inside, get back inside so we saw a guy he's a young man in his 16 17 years old came to the church to the youth group become a believer give his heart to the lord experience an amazing change love jesus but his culture would have him that he needs to kneel before his ancestor and he said i can't do that wow and guess what the dad took a Iron rod or some steel rod. They're not even those cane or whatever. It's just rod. Beat the guy. He came draining with this whole body. Just blood. Can you imagine he gave up his faith at that moment? I wonder how many people will stay in their faith. Stand strong in their faith. Keep their hope On that salvation that the Bible speaks about in a time of trials. You can be deep all you want, know all the words you want. But the rubber meets the road is when you're being tested, you are strong in your faith. You can still forgive your persecutors. You can still love them and say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. You can still make the right decision. You're not being distracted by the pain you're going through. Because friends, in that, you will see amazing victories, right? Do you realize that you are better able to face sufferings, listen to this, and challenges if you set your hope on Jesus' return? That's an eternal perspective living. Because many of us set a hope on this world. I want to get a better car, better house. That's why i all go to university. Go to work so you can save up money. So they can nothing wrong with that. It's okay. God wants to bless you. But friends, your ultimate, you know, by the Pope or party apostle said that if our hope is only in this lifetime, he's talking about Christians, right? Believers. If your hope it's just in this lifetime, what, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. Even if you live to 100 years old, by the time you get to 85, you can't really move a lot anymore. You can't go to Wonderland anymore when you're 85. Maybe I think all of them would keep trying to do it, but whatever, right? So when you get to a certain age, you know, I was just driving down the road just now. I saw an old couple, you know, so cute, holding hands. It must be in the 80s with a cane on, you know, but he, 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 the man was walking really slow on the road. Hallelujah. My mom is like that, and my mom, she has this walker, she has to walk slowly. And if she loses her balance, which she did this week, was it last week? Last week she lost her balance, she fell on the floor. And uh, she was smart, she called both me and my sister just in case, you know, one of us can't answer. She just increased the odds, just call two kids, get over here, so, (laughs) but when you get older, You can't enjoy life as much anymore. So if you have 80, so what? So what? You have everything in the world you can't enjoy. You only have 80 years old. Your existence is a lot longer than 80 years. It's eternity. Your hope got to be like set on eternity as opposed to the next promotion, the next big house, the next big car. You know, they'll come. If you're faithful, do your job, whatever. But man, I tell you, your hope, should be eternal because if not, then your faith, Paul says, is most miserable. Pathetic. Many people want to become, and James says, you know, many people think godliness leads to prosperity. That's why they become godly. Oh, friends, don't be foolish. God loves you the way you are, He has forgiven your sin, and He wants you to live well. And you know, Godliness in of itself is not a ticket to success and prosperity. So anyways, your lifestyle is not like the world, but be kept holy before the Lord. It is harder for the enemy to discourage you when your lifestyle is separated from the world. In other words, your heart, your perspective is not on this world. It's harder for him to discourage you. And that's why for all the apostles, all the, you know, Christians in the old days, and even in many persecuted countries, their faith is strong. You know, they've seen all kinds of pain and suffering, and they're still able to stand strong. It is harder for the enemy to discourage your faith if you learn to live separate, apart from the world. That's holiness. With our unique lifestyle of getting together with other believers often. So other believers are not just strangers. You know, many of us go to church. We have acquaintances. And many don't even go to church. I'll tell you this. When a tough time comes, you're going to be standing all on your own. Be all spiritual you want. When you're going to try to pick up a phone and call somebody. Don't be surprised. Nobody's answering your call. But you know, I want to encourage you. You know, I've done a couple of, not a couple, at least this year alone, I've done several funerals. And I've been to funerals that have all kinds of people. It's big. You know, all the buddies from churches are there just to encourage the family. And I've been to one funeral that I we did um, early on in the pandemic. It was just, The staff, we went there just because we feel sorry because this person had no relative, zero, no nothing. Her husband had passed away. They have no kids. And the lawyer had to go hunt down some people that would take her wealth. But you know, she was alone. And the funeral director came to me and said, well, we, lately, he said, lately we have buried many people that have no family. And so they had to encourage all the funeral staff to gather just to give some semblance of dignity to this person that was gonna be buried because nobody was there. That is not the life God has called you to. I appreciate that you watch online and I ask you to keep watching online. Don't feel guilty, please don't feel guilty, but please make every effort to be connected. The more you are connected to the body of Christ, the stronger you will withstand the pain. Never mind about being buried alone. You can expect to withdraw much from what you have not deposited. In this church, today we have, I don't know, 100 people here? Right? And uh, how many people have you made deposit into? Because you cannot make withdrawal just from sympathy. Because sympathy will only go so much. Do you understand what I just said? Many people think they can withdraw from people's sympathy. They ought to feel sorry for me, they are church. You are making withdrawal or try to make withdrawal from something you have not deposited. I want to encourage you to begin to deposit into people's lives. And uh, not just acquaintances. So later on after the service, you know, just be friendly. Just hang out. It's a park. It's summer. It's awesome. We got the whole place to ourselves. Amen. So invest in people's lives. Friends, you know, I've been a believer for 40 years. I became a believer at 10. I'm 53. That's 43 years. Most of you are not even that old, right? And I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I can tell you that those who walked in holiness, those who walked in humility, those who had been very connected to the body of Christ, they are best able, watch this, to thrive in suffering. To find new breakthroughs, new doors being opened. When everybody is heading for the hills, they are very aware because they have the strength to pay attention in the midst of the storm. There are opportunities in the midst of trials. There are always opportunity for triumph. I'll close with this. Chapter two, verse one, then gonna close and ask the worship team to come out. So I put away all malice. All deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. What is that? It's everything that he just talked about. All right? Everything that we just discussed. Right? That by it you may grow up. In other words, become strong. Grow up into your salvation. Friends, When you walk in holiness, when you stay connected, you will grow. Your spiritual life will grow. You will have an opportunity to, 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 to have your roots grow down and, and, and have your, your, your life being soaring to the sky. You know, the, the height of the tree is based on the, how deep the root would go, right? Otherwise, the tree would topple, right? It makes sense. That's the way that God created it, right? a lot of people don't understand that roots don't go down only. They go sideways. They want to go deep. If you just go deep, you're not going to get all the possible water and nutrients. A lot of roots, they go sideways. You know, I have to unplug some of the bushes in front of my house sometimes, you know. And in the old days, when I was younger, I didn't understand that you know, how to do it properly. I thought you have to pull all the, all the roots out. Good luck to that, right? Some of the roots, they grow like from my house, you know? So we got some professional come in and say, oh, I just cut the roots and take the thing out. Oh, I didn't know that was that easy. But I'll tell you this. Good trees, healthy trees, they are everywhere. That tree, its roots, you're on top of it. Those trees. What's my point? My point is this. Go wide, go deep. Don't just go deep, go wide, go deep. Then you find yourself able to withstand better sufferings. And besides that, when there are a hard time coming, you can always lean on somebody else's shoulder. Not just one, not just two, but people's shoulder.